And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 185 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Megan. Say the and. Oh, shit. And I'm Megan. Wow, that's okay. weird. It's going to be a weird episode this it, week. It we'll is. just we'll just acknowledge that up front. It is. Um, we should make a drinking game out of it. I don't know how, but we should. I mean, I know how to make a drinking game out of this podcast, but I am about 95% coffee at this point. Yeah, that's true. We did just have a conversation about how neither of us yeah. are really planning on drinking tonight, but... I have water. In I fact, have soda. I should have opened my water bottle before we started. There you go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, how are you? I am well. I just saw Last Christmas and Doctor Sleep, so someone asked me, am I going to have weird dreams blending the two, and now I can't think of anything else about him, so. I mean, I think I think if you average the two out, I say, knowing little about either, except for the fact that Amelia Clark is in one of them. She is, and Henry I think Golden. You, I know who Amelia Clark is. Uh, I feel like at that point, you get Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you know who Ewan McGregor is, at least? Uh, the bad Obi-Wan? Okay, sure. <laughs> we can go with that. Um, yes, I know you and McGregor. Not personally, I know of you and McGregor. There you go. I have watched. I have watched all of the Star Warses. Have you watched Moulin Rouge? I have watched all of the Star Warses <laughs> and the Ewan McGregor Scarlett Johansson vehicle, The Island. I have not seen that one. Uh, it is a movie about a stratified society of rich people who have an island of their clones. Who exist just to have their body parts harvested. I do remember this movie. That is terrifying. Also, would totally do it. That's not true at all. How's your week going? Um, forward. You know, that's respectable. Yes. Inexorably, time marches on uh, toward the future or entropy, depending on how you, listener, are feeling in terms of optimism. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I would have just gone with whatever episode of Riverdale you're on. (laughs) See, I told you, I would make this happen. I worked auditions today, and it's the second time in like six months I've worked auditions at this theater. And I had an actor who was there last time remember me as the funny guy who works the desk. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. Like, it was really, really a bright spot in the day, which was a weirdly slow day for pro auditions. Um, But I, of course, then made the joke about, oh, yeah, well, next time you come back, I'll have my type five done and had to kind of shout down the bottom. Don't hold me to that. Yep. Better start uh, prepping for that one. Oh, no, I heard him laughing. So, <laughs> like, hopefully he won't. Or he will, and I'll just have to wing it. Um, I do believe uh, Clark's character in The Last Christmas goes to several auditions just to bring it back around. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to ask this question because I do appreciate Amelia Clark. How was Last Christmas? Okay. 
As someone who is very much a curmudgeon, if you've met me IRL, I am very, very weirdly like hopeless, but goddamn, I love good like i love christmas movies and so like from the standpoint of did i cry yes did my heart swoon yes she and henry golding are two of the most charismatic people on the planet i think and it is very hard not to watch them and be like well they're just a total delight that is excellent now compared to the director's other movies it's not great um but I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to an updated ranking over the course of the winter between that uh, night before Christmas and Christmas Prince? Christmas Baby? What is that? Uh, we are on Christmas Baby, but also I do believe the Vanessa Hutchins movie from last year where she was twins. She's now a triplet is also coming. Uh, Wasn't that a plot line in Heroes? That was totally a plot line in Heroes. It was Allie Larder's plot line in Heroes. Fun story. I get to talk about the night before Christmas on a medieval podcast. Very excited. I think we need more seasonal adaptations of the works of Mark Twain. Oh, did you ever see Easy A? Did I ever see Easy A? It's Emma Stone. Uh... No, I know the movie. I think I think I have seen so many trailers for it and been in rooms enough when it has been playing that I feel like I've seen it without ever having actually seen it. Gotcha. Yeah, there's one part where she talks about how nobody ever adapts Huckleberry Finn. Something about a young boy running away with a hulking black man, which, uh, not to spoil a 10-year-old movie, happens in Easy A. Nice. Yes. It was a wonderful moment. That is a very smart movie. I enjoy it. Is it the same? I don't like it's the same director. I do like Emma Stone. I do as well. I did not see Zombieland, which is unfortunate. It seems to be out of all the theaters now around me, which is very strange. Sorry, let me I... put that. All the theaters that I trust. Yes. I have uh, never been shy of my distaste for La La Land, but I 100% support Emma Stone winning the Oscar for it because she and the design teams carried the rest of that movie. I believe it. Um, sorry, Ryan Gosling. The problem was not you. The problem was the character, but... I believe it. Emma Stone just shouldered that thing through. We said it was going to be a weird one. We did, yes. And uh, it is always good when Alex knows something about a movie, though. Hey, look, I have a narrow but strange (laughs) uh, cinematic knowledge. I think we got the count up to 20 when Tim and I tried to do this. I don't remember if it was Panelology or Minds at York, but we got at least, like, it was 26 before you got annoyed with us. Um, I don't think annoyed is the word, but it definitely like, I've seen more movies than that. I'm bad at movies. I have been to them though. That's, yes. I do own various Blu-rays. I'm very excited for Knives Out, which is the new, um, Chris Evans movie that's coming out in a couple weeks with, uh, Daniel Craig as, uh, the detective and Jamie Lee Curtis and the kid from It, whose name I'm totally blanking on, and the chick that unfortunately is always going to be the chick from 13 Reasons Why. I'm gesturing at my TV, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Peter um, Skarsgård, that's definitely the kid from It. Uh, Bill Skarsgård and Bill Skarsgård. One of the Skarsgårds. I knew it wasn't Stellan. <laughs> no, that would be the dad. It wasn't so. the Skarsgård from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, a movie I have seen. I have not seen that one, actually. I liked it. I was bummed the remakes never, the other two never got remade here, but I get that like they were basically frame for frame remakes, so why? Fair, yeah. Was that ever turned into a comic book? Yes, actually. Ah. 
In fact, I believe, I think the novels were adapted specifically more so than the movies, which makes sense. And maybe even continued past what got turned into that first trilogy of movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Clearly, I liked it enough to go read all the comics. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't. I've never done that. I should do that. (laughs) Well, given how many comic books you have to read on a regular basis, like this week. Oh, this week was, I mean, this week was beyond even regular. It's my fault. It's, this was, I knew this week was coming. This was the, I basically, the week we put out the Spooptacular, I did not get any reading done because that was tech week for me. And this is the week that like the next issues of every one of those books just about came out. Oh no. Yeah um let's talk about comics let's do that finally 10 minutes in buffy the vampire slayer number nine so not gonna lie i'm not completely caught up on buffy but i read this because i figured i know buffy lore enough that it wouldn't be too hard to jump on and basically this just seemed like everybody was angry that's how it seemed to me and i am caught up but don't know buffy lore (laughs) i assume that the hellmouth either everybody's super frustrated about what's going on but it does feel like there's something like the hellmouth maybe causing some kind of extra anger in the world like i i that is certainly possible. I also can't rule out that it's just Willow still in this very dark place from having her soul split. Maybe. Because um, Giles, I, I don't know, Giles also seemed really angry. Miss Calendar seemed really angry. I don't know. It just seemed like I not enough characters were really shown to show that maybe everybody's having a moment. But yeah, yeah. I do have to say the hero of the issue is the raccoon. Yes. Mad props out to the raccoon. Uh, There were a pair of raccoons that enjoyed foraging through the dumpster behind Oglethorpe during Spring Awakening. Oh, yeah? And, like, at the beginning of rehearsal, I'd come out and they'd, like, startle and run. Aww. By the end of the time, I'd, like, come out and they would just wave at me with their weird little hands. (laughs) Oh, that breaks my heart. Oh, that's so cute. Can we get a raccoon, Charlie? I feel like I feel like they would become nemeses. I feel oh, like boy. Charlie would just want to chill and the raccoon would be like the Keenan to his Kel. Yes, but also anytime food was around, they would become mortal enemies because Oh yeah. Anytime I have food, my dog is literally in my face being like, Hey, I can have some of that right and I'm like, No, stop it. <laughs> He's even, like, learned my ploy of, like, if I give my dog um, things like chicken and rice and baby food format because his stomach's a little weird sometimes. And, like, I used to open it right as I was eating dinner, so he thought he was getting some. No, he's learned. He's learned. It's not the same food that I have. Yeah. I like what they're doing with the Hellmouth stuff, where basically we're getting Buffy and Angel in the Hellmouth book. Right. And Buffy and Angel's books are all of their supporting characters. Yeah, Yeah. I do like that. I think that's really cool. Did you read the most recent Angel? No, I'm behind on everything. You will really dig it. It is Gunn and Fred. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, um... The Angel show is a little hard to um, watch nowadays. Um, I wish I could just push through it because there are some things that I love about it, but I, I... there's nothing happened behind the scenes that has tainted my love for that show. So, yeah. well, Gunn and Fred in the comic are the actual best thing in the Buffy verse. I believe that Just because FYI. they were some of my favorite people in the Buffy verse on the show too. Um. So, lore wise, is there anything that this is leaning on, drawing on, referencing back to? Um. I mean, the first season was about, was it the first season? Second season? I don't know. The Hellmouth opens quite a bit. Um, 
there's not really a point where both Angel and Buffy like went into Hellmouth. Like both of them kind of died a few times and thus had to experience hell or heaven. And like the show ended with them kind of going a little bit into the Hellmouth. But no, this is, it's like enough different that like, I don't know, I can follow it. But also uh, knowing that I'm a few episodes behind, I'm like, okay, now I want to go back and catch up. Yeah. I buy all of these in single issues, but I have a really hard time of, like, if I'm not coming on Panelology, forcing myself to read single issues. Yeah, um, I get that. Their covers are so great. They really are. Uh, which cover did you get for this one? Giles and her mom. I almost got the one that was, I assume it's uh, Anya. And the bunny uniform? Dressed as a bunny. Yes. Bunnies are but the scariest thing. Then I saw the one that was Buffy, like, in the lasso of truth hanging upside down. I did not see this one. Oh, uh, I will send you a picture of my copy. It's downstairs. Okay, no rush. Um, I mean, it looks like, I mean, there is no way to describe it except as, like, very precise rope work. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Can't believe that made it past the, uh, licensor, <laughs> but okay. I am appreciating, like, with this Hellmouth going on, that um, I feel like there's almost a Buffy issue every week, and I really do like that. Or, like, a Buffy yeah. Angel kind of yeah. episode every week, and I do like that. Um, and I did actually, I don't know if I talked about it, or I don't even know if I've told you, but I did actually read volume one of Angel, finally, last month, I think. Um, because, again, super hesitant, just yeah. because of the show, um, and really enjoyed it, and liking the different directions that it's taking, though. So. so you think you think it does a good job of distancing itself from what was problematic, in the, or is problematic in the show now? Um, we'll see how it goes long term, because a lot of the stuff that I had issues with was later in the season. I mean, we can talk about it off air, um, and I don't know if they always kind of knew where Angel was going when it came to the show, Um but I think they have a little bit more of an idea. And it didn't feel like he was going to Sunnydale because he had a crush on a girl, mm. which was kind of how the show felt. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. But yes, Anya, terrified of bunnies. Have you watched the Buffy musical? No. I have <sighs> never watched any Buffy, period. Okay. You would love the Buffy musical because you're you. But there's a song, I've Got a Feeling, where they're talking about the fact that everybody's singing. And they're like, what can it be? And... Um, Anya goes, it could be bunnies. And everybody just kind of looks at her. And then someone goes, I got a theory. It could be. And then she like breaks into this rock song about how evil bunnies are. It's great. <laughs> it's great. That's why you've got to get a holy hand grenade. It is one of those that either you have to watch with subtitles on or you have to watch it enough times until you memorize it. Um, because so, you you won't catch everything funny the first time around. What you're saying is having four theater people who all know it word for word sing it on a road trip at two in the morning is not the ideal way to consume it. Because that is my exposure to Buffy. Then you probably know some of it, but I don't know. I think it's a fun episode to watch. Cool. Because we could be stuck inside a crazy Broadway nightmare. Jazz hands are necessary. I don't know if you can hear the jazz hands. It's the sound of a bat flapping. <laughs> What's next? Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man number one. This is the follow-up to the raw earth okay um i didn't even see this tell me about this uh did you see the wrong earth nope. it's uh it's an ahoy title it is so the wrong earth uh which was five issues and ran last year through the beginning of this year uh basically takes adam west batman and frank miller batman and puts them on the wrong earth interesting them. um i like this as a theory it was a lot of fun a 
apparently I did not remember that they actually got their Earths sorted out, but I guess they did because they are back in this on their native Earths. And this issue is each of them dealing with their own version of this same devil villain. Ooh. In the Adam West verse, it is, I say Adam West, it's very, like, there are specific analog characters to the characters on that show. Um, He's this, like, goofy, cape, like, kind of overweight, chubby, caped, middle-aged dude who wants Dragonfly Man to box a kangaroo that is in town for an exhibition match. (laughs) Um... And in the sort of Frank Miller version of of the world, the same villain is using uh, Tasmanian Devil... No, the Tasmanian Devil was on that Earth. Is, is poisoning people <laughs> with, like, monsters that have been... Or animals that have been, like, surgically enhanced and filled with these toxins to, like, make them go crazy and kill people around them. That sounds like, terrible. On both worlds, it's dealing with versions of the relationship between Dragonfly Man, or the Dragonfly, and Stinger, who is his sidekick, his Robin. Very nice. Um, And, like, on one of them, it's, you know, the more lighthearted taken on the other, it's this commentary on, like, you know, he is acting endangering me with this constant talking down and giving me half the picture and he's super emotionally abusive and all of that um i do remember the end of of the first miniseries sort of set up a new status quo that this doesn't get into so i figure probably at some point it will acknowledge that um it introduces a third earth (gasps) nice so So we don't get that here basically like Batman kind of making fun of Batman. Yeah, like it's it's or it's, like making fun of is probably not the best. It's way parody. Yeah. Yeah. I really, um, really kind of want the Robert Pattinson to kind of go more on the campy like Adam West Batman. Like I feel like I would be all for this. Me too. I mean, I really I'm fine with a more serious take on Batman, not like Grim Dark, but I'm fine with something that plays it straight. That said, I will always have a soft spot for campy Batman. And the thing I want the most in this world, in terms of like, if you could let me pick one superhero TV adaptation at this point, I want like a retired Bruce and Selina as an old married couple who just can't quite give up their ways. And it less is about fighting crime and more about just like, how do we be people and not do this? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, But definitely needs to be like a cop comedy and a little a little on the like tongue-in-cheek side even just in the basic dna of who those characters are um yeah i'm just ready for a new story and i I, let's go back to the 60s i'm tired of gritty we've talked about that before though yeah sorry fans of philadelphia hockey no no i do love him he's great (laughs) cool um hey tell me about lock and key dog days so it is actually uh the comic is actually two one shots in one it's dog days and nailed it Nailed it is kind of, uh, it actually, I think, only has two panels with any dialogue. The rest of it is, is it's just action. Um, Please tell me it is everyone watching a Netflix cooking series. No. <laughs> uh, so, also, Dog Days is essentially, if, if you look at the cover, I don't know if you actually did or not. Um, I did. Okay. There's a puppy. There's a puppy who's grabbing a key. Yeah. It is a key that turns him human. Nice. Or it turns humans into dogs. We joked about this last week. That is the best key. Yes, it actually is great. So they're, uh, you know, the dog is human and they're talking about things like the mailman. And he's like, I wonder if his butt smells like lunch. 
And then they're talking about like their best day and things like that. So it is a really, really light heart one shot of Lock and Key, which is so necessary because Lock and Key is so sad sometimes. Awesome. But uh, the second one is, uh, again, it's there, you know, I don't quite remember how Lock and Key ends, which is crazy because I just read it this year. Uh, But I know the house gets destroyed. So um, they're not leaving Lovecraft. And that's about all I'm going (laughs) to say. But Nailed it kind of bridges the gap to World War Keys, which is coming next year. Nice. Very excited about. I learned this week. I imagine that will be just in time for the TV show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which I am all for. Like, Yes. I'm all for all of this. I don't care. Like, yes. if you've got ideas, please do it. <laughs> As a quick aside, did you pick up Basket Full of Heads? It came out last week. No. It's Joe Hill doing a seven-issue miniseries set, like, in Stephen King, Maine. Like, there are... <sighs> Okay, I'm gonna have to go grab from that. Shawshank. I'm gonna have to go grab that. He also has another one coming out. Um, oh crap! I'm, let me just. Yeah, I mean, he's got basically his whole imprint for DC Black he's Label. He's got the last part of this was uh, getting ready for something new coming out next month, if I'm not mistaken. It's called Dying Is Easy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, a shit that's talk Holmes mystery. I didn't read this because it's uh, a disgraced ex-cop turned better stand-up comic, and I went, mm, "I trust you, Joe Hill, but I'm not ready for that today." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, we're not that far enough post Joker. Yeah. Okay, now I want. Okay, so my my usual approach to the lock and key one shots is well, eventually they'll put them all in a trade, and then I will read them. They did. I mean, oh, did they, they did. Um, they did put a bunch of them because okay. Yeah, because the hardback collection that I was debating buying is like eight bucks. And ah. the first six are the, the series, and I think the last two were all the one-shot. Um, gotcha. Or one's a one-shot and the other's a collection, which I don't remember. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. Eventually they will probably put this in one of them too. Um, the rest of the series I have in trade anyway. Like right. I'm always... I get weird about like, well, I've got everything else in trade. I don't want to grab this one one shot floppy. Fair. Totally fair. I just love the corgi on the front cover. And I mean, it like, is a good corgi. Yeah. There are I've no been, bad corgis. Uh, I I, uh, I have a short story collection. Like I'm really excited to that more and more Joe Hill's kind of in the world. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, but I think you will dig basket full of heads. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I, it is on my list to pick up next week now. Cool. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number one came out this week, which I really, really dug. Um, okay. I do not have any real working knowledge of history with attachment to the Legion of Superheroes. It kind of like at one point I tried to figure out where to start reading and what to read, and even that I could not get a clear answer, like any kind of consensus on how. How to jump into this right so at this point almost all of my exposure is supergirl like the tv show has brought in a handful of legion characters and i desperately want the cw to just jump in and do a whole legion show because if there's any property that is perfect for the cw (laughs) from dc it is teenagers in space i am curious because i know arrowverse or arrow is ending this this is final season right yes um but flash and supergirl are still going and i guess they did add batgirl i don't know i just feel like they're kind of tapering down the dc verse i hope they're not oh i i 
don't think that's the case at all. So okay. Arrow is in... They said a couple of years ago they were never going to have more than four superhero shows at once. Okay, so they're probably ending Arrow to pull out something else? And then they immediately added Black Lightning six months later, which put them at five. It's not in the same continuity entirely because it films in Atlanta and everything films in Vancouver. So they okay. can't cross over logistically the way they can with the others. Um, I mean, if you are avoiding Crisis on Infinite Earth spoilers, jump ahead, but... Uh, Black Lightning does show up in that, apparently. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but they have said that Arrow is going to be replaced by a series following... Uh, they introduced last season uh, Arrow's son... Well, his son's been around for Arrow, but his daughter and uh, the future version of his son and a bunch of the other characters' children in a timeline 20 years in the future. So is this another Earth, or are they gonna... It's the same Earth. It's the future of that Earth. I don't know if they're gonna... So the... Okay. You can't really cross that over well. Uh, Arrow spoilers. The most recent episode brings some of them back to the present. Of course it does. Okay. And I don't know if they're going to leave them there or if they're going to keep the show in the future. They have announced that Arrow will be replaced by a show called The Canaries. Okay. That will have Mia Smoke become the Green Arrow. His son William will be there. Uh, Diggle's adopted son will be there. Okay. Um, and, like, in sort of the lore of this future, like, the Canaries is a team that Dinah and Laurel and a couple of others formed, like, fight against government corruption. Cool. Um, they are also developing a Lois and Clark show starring oh, right. the Lois and Clark from Supergirl. I did forget about that. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I just don't pay attention yeah. to the DCCW side that much. I do because I dig that stuff there yeah, are some seasons cool. of things that are not great but it's all actually pretty good right now what i've watched of it i really do enjoy oh i did drop off of arrow and flash because i had some yeah. some rockier seasons but my biggest issue is just there's so long 22 episode seasons are unnecessary in my opinion yeah. and, and that's the only reason that i haven't stayed on top of it well like i think that's part of why legends works so well because it tends to run shorter seasons okay and it just does not take itself seriously at all i think that is also always a good thing just yeah. don't take yourself too serious yeah um i'm liking batgirl a lot so far too batgirl is also there now so like they're they're gonna be at like six seven counting black lightning so that whole we're only gonna have four thing lasted yeah. less than a year hey if it sells it sells yeah and like i think most of the shows are in like flash and arrow are in the best shape that the last couple of seasons have been the best they've been in a couple of years okay supergirl solid legends is amazing i really like batgirl i'm behind on black lightning like that's the problem with it not being in continuity it gives me an excuse not to stay caught up yeah but i like it a lot what i've watched of it i'm into season two um, Okay, cool. yeah so legion of superheroes <laughs> Uh, all of that is to say, like, I love what they've done with those characters on Supergirl, so I've been really jazzed for this book. It's also Bendis, and I feel like Bendis is an amazing fit for this kind of huge revolving team of not too serious, but kind of goofy, kind of angsty sometimes characters. Right. Um, and this brings Superman's son from present day into the future to join the team. So, like, you've automatically got sort of your setup of why are we introducing everything and explaining the world? Well, John just knows nothing. You know nothing, John Kent. <laughs> um, actually, you know, that would... Uh, What's-his-name who played Jon Snow would not be a bad actor for 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, obviously he's not 17, but like if they wanted to age John up more at some point, he could play. Um, neither here nor there. But yeah, this is a lot of like the rules of this world. We got a pair of of issues that sort of show Rose and Thorn taking the long way around getting there and just like being immortal and showing up. And we see Rose or Thorn one like try to get John's attention in this. Okay. Um, because she is there and she's around. And kind of like the inciting event of this beyond Superboy coming is they find this ancient, like, powerful artifact from the past. Aquaman's trident. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of fun. I really dig it. I've been looking forward to it for a while and it did not disappoint. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Nomen Omen number two. I did not read this. I read the first issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, we definitely I, talked about the first issue. There was a lot of question on what the fuck is this book? Where is this going? So I have two questions for you. <laughs> okay. One, what the fuck is this book? Two, where is this going? So I audibly went, what the fuck, <laughs> while reading this, because I'm not going to lie. I don't think I quite understood what was going on until like maybe the last page or two. So what I'm gathering... Because uh, it starts out, it opens up um, that she's not dead. Like, because we ended book one or issue one with her getting her heart ripped out. And bo- you, both of us were like, what's the point of this comic then? <laughs> and Is she uh, not the main character? Exactly. Um, so there's still a question of, like, what happened there? And then they leave the bar and all these supernatural things keep happening. But what's really cool uh, and what I'm gathering from it. So it is still in the black and white style. Um, but I was reading this as the, honestly, I hadn't turned on the light yet. And so I was like, am I seeing color or am I seeing things? And <laughs> a lot of characters wear these pendants that just have like the slight glow of care, uh, color, um, which from what I'm gathering are supernatural creatures and that's how they shapeshift these. Ah. Yes. But it's not just like, you know, like in D and D where it's like you shapeshift, but really like if someone knocks your head, they're going to actually knock your head. No, yeah. they like actually change forms. It's like the Adventure Zone Amnesty. <laughs> kind of, yes. Um, so yeah, it's still like a, what the fuck? Um, it, but even the characters are like, at one point something happens and like, uh, they take a YouTube video of it and they're like, don't know what the fuck's going on, but we got a video of it. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> cool. So I think it is a 15 issue run, they've officially said. Yes. So I am excited to see where it's going. Um I think I might actually continue this one in issues just because it's so out there. Yeah. I'm going to give it. Yeah. I want to see. But at the very least, I will definitely be trading it because it is. There are black and white comics. I think Walking Dead is all black and white. Like I've opened Mm -hmm. it a few times. And but this one feel you can feel the depth, which I think is really hard to do. I am so glad you said that because I was about to say the thing like. I respect black and white comics. I think it is its own specific kind of comic art, comic storytelling. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I do struggle with is that depth of field. Like, without color, I have a hard time parsing what I'm seeing. Right. Um... And I think it is, like, you used the word depth, too. Like, I think it is because so many of them don't... I think it's harder to get depth without color. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that they work really hard, given that the main character is supposed to be colorblind. Um, 
I think it works incredibly well, though. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Coffin Bound. Have you read any of this? I no, I don't. If I've... No, I don't. I mean, it sounds like something based on the title alone that I might enjoy, but. This is one of those books that you either really dig or that will cause you so much anxiety <laughs> that you will never want to touch it again. Oh, no. So. Issue four is the end of the first arc. Both one and four are oversized issues. So, okay. so coffin bound. Coffin bound. It's written by Dan Waters, uh, who does Lucifer for DC right now. Okay. And who did Deep Roots. I don't know if you ever read it. It was a vault title. I've, I've heard of it. It's on my list. I haven't actually read yeah. it yet. Though. I yell at people about it all the time. That's fair. That's um, probably why I know it. And the artist is Danny, D-A-N-I. And it is this, like... Wasteland type, you know, post it's either post apocalyptic or just like the world's kind of grimy and run down. Who really can tell the difference at this point? Honestly, uh, depends on what city you're in, yeah. Um, but it's that kind of setting. It fall, follows this character who has been marked by de- marked for death by this creature called the Earth Mover. That is just sort of this like it follows style monster nice. that you can you can tell it, hey, I want this person dead, and like that person will at some point thereafter be dead. It will just seek them out until it can kill. Them. So it's like Death Note without the Notebook. Sure. <laughs> Um, and her solution to finding out that she is marked for death is, if I erase every trace of me, they can't kill me. It's a very existential book. It is very, like, intentionally, I mean, purple prose is not even the phrase for it. It is so, like, intentionally florid and overwritten. Oh, no. Okay. By by design. Like, it is well done and it is well controlled and it is clearly satirizing a specific kind of uh, uh, voice, but also sort of drawing on it. Like, it it balances it well. It also gets into ideas up. So there's this, this strip club and you find out eventually, I think, issue two, the owner of the strip club is the person who has put out the hit on the main character who by the way her traveling companion is a giant walking vulture skeleton that maybe is real and maybe isn't and maybe is in cahoots with the earth mover and maybe isn't but it's just kind of there and okay. maybe it's the thing that says she's marked for death and maybe it's not um lots of agrees got it like it plays a lot on ambiguity the hook for this strip club is the stripping act is people removing their own skin and then like they walk off stage and it's put back on and like they have the technology to just heal and it's painless no at one point there's the line i know this should sting but it doesn't like no. that kind of disconnect from body and from self and from reality it's very existential in that kind of way like throughout there's a character who like his whole thing is is i don't think the way my body interacts with the world is the truest way to interact with the world and in like increasingly horrific ways he is paring away his body oh god this sounds wonderfully terrible like that's the thing it is it is a very intense book like visually it does a lot and it doesn't take a a lot of time to really explain everything it sort of lets you catch up and get there yourself okay uh but it is very much like asking the question what does it mean to be what does it mean to leave a mark on the world how do you do that 
Is it the actions you take? Is it the damage your existence does to the people you care about? Is it the pain you feel if you don't feel pain? Do you exist? That kind of mm. stuff. Like I said, you'll either really like it or it will be a lot. Yeah, and I'm still not sure which one it is going to be. Yeah. The answer is probably a little of both at the same time always. <laughs> Just like life. Hey, maybe there's the point. Uh... <laughs> How uncomfortable do you make comic book readers? Maybe that's what it means to live. Um, I also love the art in this thing. Anyway, Undiscovered Country number one. Yeah. A different kind of existential terror. <laughs> yeah, this one felt a little too real. Especially like reading the the author's note at the end. Or like the... Did you read that? I couldn't. No, it's I knew long. that that would probably be a step too far for me. It's... Yeah, like, so... Like, just in terms of realness. Also, I read it at, like, 5.30. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. So, this is about um, the United States. I love the cover. And actually, they the the artist has a section where uh, they talk about how they got to this cover. There's an and... amazing Chip Zdarsky variant, as a side note. But it's, like, sold by one comic shop. It's probably sold out at this point. It was sold by one comic shop, and it was, like, 16 bucks i'm like i can't I did see a couple of variants and i didn't even look at it i just was like i have to get to the movie theater i'm just grabbing everything that i have any interest in this week and getting out so this is the most successful book image has launched in like five years can't and imagine why with snyder and uh soul on it for real i think it's like their second biggest number one in history or something like that interesting i'm super surprised because i didn't go to the comic shop until friday so i'm surprised they still had any well, but I they mean, had it like... up front like i didn't see this in the back which to be fair that's usually on me but they had it right at the register and i was like i didn't knew nothing about it and just saw snyder and soul and was like i think they were here for a signing this week i should probably pick this up yeah. and i did because i like I both mean, of them the way they're measuring most <laughs> successful in this case is like this is it's entirely based on like first print run orders no that's awesome. for the sake um, of this conversation so like that's probably why they had them is because everyone ordered a fuck ton of yeah. this book because snyder and soul yeah i am curious because I, I yeah i don't know if they um I haven't quite figured out my comic shop's like whole idea of like putting these comics next to the register because most of the time they're not the ones that I'm not interested in or it's variants on something that I already picked up. Um, so I'm like, I'm not quite sure if it's one of those things where like, hey, maybe you missed this. But um, yeah, the cover's gorgeous and creepy mm-hmm. and makes me uncomfortable. Um, it is Canada and Mexico in red on a white ba- background where the U.S just blends into the white because it's no longer there but it is there but they closed their borders 30 years ago and nobody knows what the fuck like why and yeah that's kind of like what you need to know from just the stand of like where this starts but also the rest of the world is maybe dying from the sky disease which could be skin cancer could be like something that we've put into the air that's finally caused it to be like well fuck you guys we're done yeah. uh i read a lot of shot and mcguire recently where it was a um she wrote she writes a lot of short stories that make me be like, well, nature's going to kill me or my favorite authors are going to. I don't know which one's going to do it first. Because <laughs> she wrote an entire short story about like letting a virus loose uh, at, a, at a book signing. Uh, they're stage one of basically like ending the human race at, at a book yeah. signing. Anyways, that's 
kind of the vibe I was getting here was just like the human race is done. World War Three has happened and nobody knows what the fuck America's doing. And it's kind of an interesting look at America because uh, I think one character one point was like, see, America always sticks their nose in the last minute. They always come and save us. And uh, that's not the vibe I was getting from everybody else. No. Um, but uh, what I liked was was uh, what they were writing about was kind of, you know, Snyder and Soul's relationship. And apparently they've like made friends with somebody in the CIA and they did this tour and saw all of like all of this stuff that's like probably mild mildly secretive but also obviously they weren't looking at like super classified stuff and it already had this feel of like oh this could happen but also when they were like yeah you know some of this technology came from like looking at CIA stuff I was like oh and their friend of the CIA is definitely not named Tom King Oh, is that who that is? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but Tom King is former intelligence. I would not be surprised. If they did, they didn't name check him. Yeah. So um, yeah, he, is, he has had books that have had to be, every script has had to be cleared by intelligence agents before they could be published. Of course. Sheriff of Babylon had to get security clearance for every script. I'm going to have to check that out now. Um, but basically, the U.S. built this, like, dome wall in the sky thing. So it's not even like you can fly over it. You can't get in at all. There are no flyover states now. No. And so there, which has only been 30 years. So it's not like, you know, there are probably a lot of people that are still alive that remember the U.S. or that were outside of the U.S. but were U.S. citizens that are now cut off. And, um, but that's if you're still alive based on this virus. And basically um, someone in America has transmitted something being like, hey, we have the solution for your sky virus. <laughs> Which is why they're going into America. Super weird comic. Super enjoyed. Yeah. The uh, character and creature designs in America yeah. are... I mean, like they're both like horrifying and also just kind of you can't take your eyes off of them. Yeah. I like spent half the time being like, the fuck? But also, like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It was, it's, it's really well put together. Yeah. I, I don't, like, you kind of think you know where it's going. It's not anywhere you think it's going. No. It's, it, this'll be a cool book. Yeah. Let's oh, yeah. talk about some X-Men. Oh, boy. So, you have said you actually aren't caught up on House of X Powers of Ten, right? No, because I've had so many arcs and galleys to read recently that I yeah. uh, have started it. Um and keep having to put it aside, unfortunately. I think it's helpful for the conversation because I know there are a lot of folks who, like, still have struggled to get copies of issues for the whole book. So, like... Considering that I think, like, this week another round of reprints were not only understand. So let's talk about New Mutants first, because I think it is the one that of these two probably can stand on its own a little more safely. Yeah, I mean, so... To put in perspective, I've only read three issues entirely of um, House of X, Powers of Ten. Um, so the and I and I didn't quite finish New Mutants, but the only thing that was kind of like um, this place that they're at is sentient, and that was both kind of like okay, and also not surprised. So I don't know if that's like supposed to be a big reveal. That's actually an old thing. Like Krakoa showed up originally as a villain, like a living. Island. Oh, okay. See yeah. again, not the X Men 
person yeah. here. There's um, some new lore there, but like that's there's actually a period of time. Uh, Jason Aaron wrote a book called Wolverine and the X Men, where okay. like Krakoa became the grounds of the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. Okay, and it was like the first line of defense for the school. Um. Okay. So cool. Glad to know that that's not like a major spoiler or anything. Yeah. Um. I really liked that uh, they brought back to life a character that they killed off in uh, uh, Rosenberg's. Yep. Um. That I really appreciated. Um. That was kind of why I picked it up. I just wanted to see if they were going to reset that. And I'm kind of glad that they did. Yeah. Uh, I think if there's, I mean, obviously House and Powers, I strongly recommend. And I think there's a little more context that getting through at least certain issues of those will help with. Um, have you got, there's an issue that talks about how they're able to revive people. Have you gotten to that one? Nope. Okay. I think that one probably is the main one there. And actually <laughs> X-Men number one sort of sets up uh, a little bit of just explanation of like how they can get to the Star Jammers and all of that. Like, Yeah, that's fair. Like I, I know that there was some television teleportation yeah. stuff going on and i kind of like people coming back to life didn't surprise me when the first issue has all these pods and stuff so i don't know right i also wouldn't be surprised if like one of the major things is like they're not really them but you and me both like we haven't gotten an answer one okay. way or the other like we, we we get what the mechanism of their revival is but i still don't totally trust it that's entirely fair and x-men-ish yeah um I am not, I've said this before, like, other than that Rosenberg book, I don't have a lot of history with the New Mutants character. Like, they're really sort of a blind spot for me in X-Men knowledge. I liked this issue a lot. Like, I like the idea of throwing them in space with the Star Jammers. Yeah. I like the the, the whole, oh yeah, you go get the whiskey. We'll wait right here. <laughs> I should have seen this coming. I'm like, yeah. yes. Like, this is a funny book. Like I like this one, and this is this is the other one that Hickman is writing. At least, okay, co-writing. yeah, yeah, he's co-writing it. Yeah, um, I think this issue is co-written, and then there will be some that are Hickman and some that are. Is Brisson the other writer on here? Uh, I think so. Let's see. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, of all people, I don't have much um, history with X Men other than like people kind of talking at me about X Men. Other yeah. than I dressed up as Dazzler a couple of years ago. actually it was last year i had blonde hair it was great um but the vibe i've always gotten is that if i'm going to read any new mutants is kind of my more my jam and uh so people that you know i really trust like some of their favorite their favorite characters tend to be the new mutants so yeah seeing a number one basically that's why i was like well if i'm gonna i probably will continue on most of the x-men stuff but like i'm so weird about just uh, it'll all end up being traded so um yeah but new mutants at least i was like i know some of these characters and um i'm in kind of thing yeah i end up liking this a lot um and like i like that there is an x-men book and we've talked about this before but like each of the x-men books coming out of house and powers feels like a different kind of story yeah sort of like the way people describe the mcu or like they're all superhero movies but they're each their own genre like they're all x-men books but they're each their own kind of story yeah um i like that there is one that is x-men in space yeah and it's not like X-Men in space to save Earth. Yeah. It's X-Men in space because they want to go visit someone. Yeah. Uh, and they just cannot help themselves from like trying to do good things, but also just not thinking shit through and fucking What's that up. button? Now there's a button. Oh, I can't stop thinking about the button. What's that yep. button? I want to push the button. That's kind of the vibe that I got. Yeah. The other new book this week is X-Force number one. 
Yeah, I they put all the X-Men together. I honestly probably either went, that's an old one, or they're all the same. I don't know what I did. I just yeah. kind of looked at it and went, yeah, I don't know. So X-Force, just as, as a concept, is like the corner of the X-Men universe that like, depending on the writer and maybe the roster, I could take or leave. Um, it's the sort of special ops, we're the ones who will get our hands dirty so no one else has to kind of team. Okay. Um, I love Rick Remender's run on it. There are others that are, you know, just a little more like violent, gritty than is by style. This one is probably somewhere in the middle there. Um, I like the roster for this team a lot. And I like this is simultaneously being the Wetworks team, but also basically the mutant CIA. Nice. There are sort of two halves to the operation. Um, and this has a lot, like, a lot of characters on it. Beast is on the roster, Domino is on the roster. I was just about um, to look up the roster, I was curious. I like Wolverine more in team books than in solo books, and this is Wolverine as part of the team, which is normal for an X-Force book. Because he's the best at what he does, and what he does is not very nice. <laughs> Um, I think more than any of the other books that have spun out of House and Powers, this is the one that you need to have done the most reading for. That's fair. Um, both because this is dealing with some pretty specific ideas about the island and it references back Marauders, which if you haven't met or read Marauders yet, I think that's going to probably be the other one you'll like. Although it does mostly take place on a boat. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to think about that one. It's pirates. It's mutant pirates. <sighs> okay, that might sell it, me. It, it's mutant pirates smuggling mutants out of countries that are still oppressing them and don't have trade deals with Krakoa. Um, so, so new mutants, space pirates, marauders, traditional pirate. pirates. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, and Kitty Pride, who is now going by Kate Pride, runs this team. Runs X Force. Runs Marauders. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it for Kate um, Pride. It's basically the roster from the end of Cena Grace's Iceman run. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so X-Force is dealing with sort of the world's machinations pushing back against Krakoa and some of the sort of shadowy operations. We don't see Orcus specifically, but it's certainly plausible that some of the people we see are involved with Orcus. Um, there is an event at there, a, a thing that happens on the last couple of pages of this that I'm not going to spoil, but I will say if you are trying to read everything, if you are reading the main X-Men book, even by itself, Self. I think that what happens on that last page is going to be important before you get to X-Men number two. Um, okay. From what little I've read, like they've kind of said, hey, you need to you need to read this one between these two. Um, going back to sort of like death is something mutants have maybe conquered. I think we're going to see our first real like important test case of how that works coming out of where this book ends and that's going to pick up in X-Men. So like there's a little bleed through across books from what i understand okay um because there is i will say somebody gets shot at the end of this oh no um but yeah i i'm enjoying this it's a it's there's a little bit going on that I st i'm still not totally sure what's up and i think that's by design uh and it's ben percy writing and i dig ben percy typically very cool yeah. Shades of Magic, Steel Prince, and the Rebel Army, number one. So this is the start of the third arc, which I think is the final for this comic. Um, and basically, <clears throat> um, what you need to know about this world is that magic is a thing, but there is 
a king that uh, you don't necessarily have magic, necessarily need magic or rule. Uh, in the main book series, the prince um, doesn't have magic and it's kind of a sticking point for him uh, of pride and other things. But um, this arc is focusing on there is a rebel army that doesn't want to bow down to any crown. Magic should be the most powerful factor. And it's coming to clash with our prince, who we've been following the whole time. So it is kind of just a setup of like this rebel army starting to roll through. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know if you are reading this at all. And I and honestly, I don't know how any of this reads if you don't read her main series. I mean, like, it obviously don't make sense. But yeah. like, I don't know if you, anybody cares. Yeah, I uh, checked out the first issue of the first <laughs> miniseries. OK, but I think we probably talked about it. We on did. The yeah. Show. Um, yeah, I could get what was going on. There were some characters who I thought were cool. I do think that. To really be hooked by it, I would want to know more about the world and kind yeah. of the rules of it, big picture. Because, so, I, we probably talked about it then, but the, the prince that we're following in the comic is the king in the books. And the good news is, is like, I don't know how much fantasy or whatever, I don't read a ton of it, but it tends to be when you've got a younger cast. This is, it's not a YA series, they're, they're in their 20s. Um, but when you have a younger cast, it typically means that either a parent is dead or someone's not a good person. Yeah. And what I really, really like about this series is that the parents make stupid mistakes. They do some questionable things, in my opinion. Um, but at their core, they're not bad people. Mm. And so it left, when, when it was announced that the series was coming out, I was really excited to learn more about the Steel Prince. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is getting closer to, um, I think this is the last arc, if I remember correctly. Um, and I don't know. We'll see how it ends. Has it lived up to that excitement for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, it helped. Uh, I reread, um, some, some fans put together, uh, Schwabtober, uh, which was September. Schwabtember, sorry. Um, and so I actually reread the book series, um, and that kind of re-helped rekindle my interest in this because I did actually go to trade on, um, cool. by the second, um. But I, again, kind of like Buffy and kind of like anything Kelly Thompson, I, I bought, buy this in single issues, especially for the covers. Yeah. So. All right. One more. Cool. This is a new vault series that kind of slipped under my radar until I saw a couple of posts about it, uh, or maybe a couple of tweets about it this week, uh, last week as people are listening to this. <laughs> And then I saw the full title and had to get at least the first issue. I think I had seen the solicited as heist. And actually in January solicited, it's solicited by like its subtitle without heist as part of it. The full title is heist or how to steal a planet. Okay. <laughs> and like in, in the January solicitations, it's just listed as how to steal a planet. Um, Interesting. I wonder if they're playing around with the title, like trying to decide which. I think they must be. Um, or honestly, maybe it was solicited that way and it just didn't stick in my head um i think i think the november solicitations we missed talking about in september because of dragon con Fair. so it just might not have stuck in my head for that reason so who's this uh, this is a vault series and i'm gonna have to actually double check the writer because it's not a writer who i've read a ton of okay so was it the title that kind of had you going yeah i want to check that out um the title some positive like positive buzz on twitter from writers and artists i like um and i've 
found some like preview pages of art and it looked good. It's Paul Tobin writing okay. uh, with Arjuna Susini on art. Okay, cool. And it follows basically its main character is this dude who gets out of prison and immediately starts trying to put together a team for a heist. Oh, very and Ocean's Eleven. Everybody fucking hates this man's guts. Everyone in the galaxy hates him. He goes into the bar to like talk to his bartender who who lines people up for him. He's like he hands him a slips him a note with a list of names. He's like half this list is dead. Give me some other names. He slips him a second list. I would have an easier time bringing the first list back to life than getting you <laughs> any of these people do you understand how much they hate you amazing like the first guy he goes to recruit is the son of a beloved ruler of the planet heist who this guy the the ruler this guy framed for stuff she hadn't done and created a scandal that weakened her position of power so much so that she could be a Fascinated by this intergalactic company that basically buys up planets and forces everyone into, I think, corporate internship is the term they use for slavery. <laughs> amazing. Awful, but amazing. Yeah. Um, and just like comes in and late stage capitalism's planets entire economies. Uh, and like the 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 sun like drowns his sorrow in whiskey and like just it ruins his life like this is the first person who the main character goes to recruit he gets on to high he's met by this like kid who who does the whole hey you're new here i know you're new here because you don't have a thing installed to block the government from reading your brain oh um, no so you're either new or you're stupid in either case you need me to show you around okay and i love this kid like this kid starts telling him the history of the planet and the story of how this guy with the kid not realizing it's the same guy fucked over the entire planet by arranging for their beloved monarch to be deposed amazing Uh, yeah it's so much fun um i will probably stick with this one in singles Um, yeah i'm gonna have to go see if they have that because that sounds really cool yeah like the art is really detailed and really like grimy and run down but in really really pretty ways Like, it's just such a rich version of that. Instead of being scratchy and brown, it's, it's, it feels alive. Okay. Like, it doesn't feel as cold and dead as, as art for books like this normally. By, by, like, choice, because that's kind of the norm feels. Um, it reminds me a little bit of in, I think it's Attack of the Clones. Not Attack of the Clones. Yeah, Attack of the Clones, when they're on Coruscant, but like the lower levels of Coruscant. Um, okay, yeah. Because episode two of Star Wars is definitely cu- the cultural touchstone to bring out to make people want to consume a piece of media. <laughs> it's also the one that we kept in the car, so uh, my brother watched it quite a bit, and I have yeah. seen it actually a few times. Yeah, I mean, hot take. It's not all a bad movie. Just about half of it is <laughs> unnecessary. There's a so, good movie in there with a little bit of different editing and maybe a couple more passes on script. Like, if they had let Carrie Fisher touch up the script, it would have been fine. I saw the final trailer on the big screen today for... I have not seen any trailers for it yet by miracle of being bad at movies. It is so... It just always puts me straight to tears. I just I was start... gonna say, I know it will make me sob. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like like so I've seen uh Doctor Sleep with uh my friend and her kid. So we had those seats and then there was an open seat next to me and then two people 
and knowing how my theater set up, like I knew someone was going to come sit next to me. So this poor dude sits down next to me right before trailer starts or right as trailers are starting. It's like the second trailer. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm going to start crying now. It's going to happen. <laughs> I have no shame. All right. So I am going to skip. Is it still good this week for the most part? Okay. Cause I figure some of these things when, if we're back to normal next week, we may want to come back and touch on, Yeah. but I'm going to point at a couple of things quickly. So everything that is normally good was still good. In my opinion. <laughs> um, there are a couple of amazing gags in wonder twins, but I want to point at specifically Immortal Hulk takes like a new left turn that is Bruce Banner as like as like revel environmental revolutionary like gaining hearts and minds of supporters okay. which is really cool um and then Livewire ended this week with number 12 uh I it's Vita Ayala I love their writing yeah. the last arc of this was this cool like political thing where uh Amanda's trying to figure out why this politician wants to help her rehab her image and like it's this cool like morally gray well none of us did anything bad and the world is a better place for what we've done or no, none of us hurt anyone Ooh. and the world is a better place for what we've done so if what we did was not exactly moral does it really matter because we all got what we want and did good I know you don't um, watch the show but Martin Sheen uh Michael Sheen oh my god Michael Sheen uh stars in Prodigal Son uh -huh. where he plays uh, a serial killer father um, to the main character. And uh, he was a, a surgeon and then, yeah, serial killer. Had a same kind of vibe this week where it was like, yeah, I killed a bunch of people, but do you know how many people I saved? So, like, relatively it all balances out. Yeah. And this is a problem with society. <laughs> and then the last one I want to mention is Wasted Space. Uh, it is back with issue number 11. It picks up and it does like the best time jump I have seen in a while. That's basically, we're starting out right where we left. Okay, we're gonna go like in and out in five minutes. Several months later, the place is on fire and... Billy has, like, befriended this alien named Squee who, like, sacrifices himself so Billy can get out on the third page. And I was right. like, no, I can't leave Squee behind! Everyone's like, no, we've got to get out. We've got to go now. Don't let his sacrifice be in vain. <laughs> so like, this is a character that you don't know that just sacrifices itself on the third page? Yes, and what awesome. could have been, like, an entire arc worth of story that's just like, this is not what the book's about, so we're going to skip over this part. Amazing. And, like, I love that kind of stuff like yes good job michael marisi yes all right now let's talk about solicitations Ooh. january 2020 solicitation um and it is in this moment i realized i did not actually get your list from you so that's we'll okay just, I have i'll call two. it okay <laughs> well uh which publishers are they one's image one's marvel okay cool you could probably I guess what, what both of them i know are. what each of them is now yeah um i'm gonna start in marvel because yeah. my list starts in marvel i mean to be so, fair like we're not talking solicitations that are anything other than like number starts of things, right? Like for the most part, yeah. like there is one thing that's the beginning of its last arc, but okay. for the most part, uh, so Donnie Cates is taking over Thor. Uh huh. With Nick Klein on art starting in January, um, which like 
I think is a cool pick because sort of the book that made that got Donny Cates on a lot of people's radar was about basically a god with a sword or a man with a sword that was a god. Okay. Uh, so like kind of a cool pick and it'll be a very like just because of his storytelling and his style like it'll be a very different take than what Jason Aaron's been doing. Yeah. And probably a very different take than a lot of Thor runs. So like I think that's a good thing to do after such a big a big like kind of seminal Thor run. Um, and it's of course picking up out of like Thor is still king of Asgard now. He's got the same status quo. It's just new stuff is happening. The Black Winter is coming. Okay. That's a line in the solicitation. It's not me making a joke. Uh, with and this is going to be one that you're going to say, damn it, I do need to read that too. Oh no. With Kate's going to Thor, do you know who's taking over Guardians of the Galaxy? No, I didn't pay attention. Al Ewing. Oh, damn it. All right, yeah, I'm going to have to read that. Yeah. With one Cabal on art, and one Cabal was one of the regular artists for All New Wolverine. Okay. With Tom Taylor. Yeah, I will probably pick up the first issue. I'm not always big on Guardians, but I will. I do love do love his stuff yeah i'm i tend to be very mixed on guardians but if there's anyone who like could get me jazzed about a guardians book it's al ewing put al ewing in space and i am there (laughs) uh iron man 2020 number one of six so i am not anything close to an expert on like iron man history um i do have one i could tap into if needed but we're not there yet uh but there is like a major Iron Man arc called Iron Man 2020 involving his brother Arno coming in and okay. you know, taking over as Iron Man or something. With it actually being 2020, Dan Slott is okay. tapping cool. into that. Yeah. Um, and like it's the kind of thing that Dan Slott is so good at and his run on Tony Stark Iron Man has been amazing. Tony Stark Iron Man is ending okay. and this mini series is taking its place. There will be some other one-shots and miniseries that tie in, like they're doing actually kind of an Iron Man event, which I feel like doesn't happen very often. No, I guess not, yeah. Like, he's usually a player in big Marvel events, but you don't sort of get to see his corner of the universe just do its right. thing. They've kind of let um, it be, considering how big he was in the, the movies. Yeah. Um, and this... This run so far has been doing a lot of cool stuff with, like, where the limits between humanity and artificial intelligence are. Like, at what point? Sort of the central question of his run to date as well. In Fraction's run, Tony has rebooted his mind from a backup. In Bendis' run, Tony has built himself a, like, genetically engineered himself a replacement body and uploaded his mind into it. There are no original parts of Tony Stark left. So is he still Tony Stark? Is he a robot even though he's entirely biological? Like, what is the difference between him and if you took Jocasta or Machine Man and put them in a human body? Fair. Um, If, like, literally at one point, like, Tony is sort of manipulated into drinking in an artificial environment, like a, 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 like, oh, like Ready Player One, like that kind of, or like a Matrix-style world. Um, like. If he is entirely coding and programming, is that as real a thing as taking a drink in the real world? Um, like it feels like that crisis. sort of thing. Yes. Uh, also, Pete Woods is taking over or is is handling art on this, and I love his art. Uh, he did a Justice League run. I think he was the artist on Christopher Priest's Justice League run. Okay. 
but it's a little like cartoonier and lighter um it's a very distinctive like almost jewel tone because i think he colors himself too um i think he colors himself anyway um (laughs) this is where i think one of your books comes in uh marvel is putting out a bunch of one shots that are the last story of oh it's just a one shot it's not actually the start of an art or anything yeah they're all one shots oh i didn't realize it was a one shot is star number one also star number one is number one of five it's a mini series okay yeah, basically, it just seems like Kelly Thompson is kind of taking over the Marvel Universe and writing, like, she's doing Captain Marvel still. She's doing Star. Sorry yeah. to kind of, like, take over your... your no, how no, you do this. please. But it is kind of like, yeah, she's also... Jessica Jones is coming back? So, the Jessica Jones book that's coming out, this is a weird thing. This is the same Jessica Jones comic that was released through Comixology. Okay uh last year and beginning of this year like there was one that was jessica jones and one that was jessica jones purple daughter yeah and each of them was like three issues on comiXology that were like 40 pages each these are and they've been collected in trade already both of them these are the first time those series are being printed in floppies oh so it's not really new it's not new but i think it's probably going to be the first time a lot of people have noticed it probably i think comiXology is not always on everybody's radar yeah and even with there being trade trades out like a lot of times if you put out a trade without putting out single issues they go kind of overlooked sure. um like my comic shop didn't order the new matt fraction elsa surety a book because it was an original graphic novel and not a collection of single issues and those just don't sell for them Even i had to get them fraction. yeah i had to get them to order me a copy um which is not a big deal but like that's how those books perform mine did have it well, yes, but you live in a bigger <laughs> to be fair, city. Yours gets a lot of indies that that mine. It's like if you don't tell them, I don't have yeah. a box because I'm so right. sporadic with what I end up picking up. Um, but uh, so yeah, I didn't grab it because I don't have don't do hardbacks. Yeah. So, but I'm I, sure there will be a paperback eventually. Yeah, I might check it out and see if it's on Comicsology. Yeah. Um, and do it. Oh, that I bet way. it is. Yeah. I bet it is. Um, and that yeah, I wanted to grab it and try to read it and talk about this week, <clears throat> and honestly. I don't think I'd have gotten to it anyway, but it's a three trade series is how it's formatted. Um, the second one coming out in January. Um, so yeah, we. So you mentioned Star. Yes. Star is spinning out of Kelly Thompson's right Captain Marvel book, which I have at least one of the trades of and am planning on reading because i love kelly thompson and i'm all for supporting captain marvel this year yes Um, kelly thompson is one of my favorite writers same and uh knowing that when i saw star and that it spun out of captain marvel i wrote it with a question mark as like we'll see how i you know um it is on my radar yeah um captain marvel the end going back to these one shots of last issues i've got two of them specifically on my list i've got captain marvel and i've got miles morales in both cases because they're being written by the writers who are doing the ongoings right and it is not uncommon for that to mean like these will set up some ideas that get played out through the series um and kind of knowing what the next arc of Captain Marvel gets into with this sort of like, and knowing kind of what Star's status quo at the end of the most recent arc is, like, I could see very easily this sort of fitting into what's going to be going on. Okay. Um, and same thing with Miles. There are like some loose ends going on that I could see Saladin Ahmed, and I love Saladin Ahmed anyway, like picking up those threads and doing things with them here. 
Okay. Uh, Hawkeye, Freefall, one and two. This is a five issue miniseries. Matthew Rosenberg, Otto Schmidt, Hawkeye. Okay. I didn't see that Rosenberg was doing that, but I'll consider it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am. And Otto Schmidt's, again, Otto Schmidt's art is like a very distinctive style that I did. So, like, I think it's a cool team. I like Hawkeye in general. I play a D&D character based on Hawkeye. Yes, you if do. If loosely. Good old Bint Clarton. <laughs> um, who will triumphantly return this week, I believe. Yay! Hopefully I have a voice. Um, Immortal Hulk Great Power number one. I did see that. I wasn't sure if it was a one-shot or not. It is a one-shot. Okay. 40 pages. Um, so a couple of reasons why I'm calling this one out. One is, I think Immortal Hulk's going cool. Like, I've enjoyed Immortal Hulk in general, but, like, I like what it did this week. And I had read it before I was looking at these. Uh, one reason is because it dips into, like, this obscure piece of comics history that apparently has, like, cult following status but i had never heard of before this book was announced apparently there was a time peter parker was gamma irradiated and turned into the spider hulk interesting so immortal hulk great power is about like because if you're reading immortal hulk or or not like the thing that's going on is all these people who have been gamma irradiated are like coming back to life and becoming monsters and the hulk is trying to wipe out humanity so like this is sort of picking up this idea that spider-man had been a hulk and dealing with how that would fit in with his whole deal it's also tom taylor writing and i love tom taylor i love what he's doing on friendly neighborhood spider-man like this is sort of just like i'd probably grab it anyway because i'm digging immortal hulk but there's so much going on here that like i'm actively excited for it very cool uh dc has a superman one shot called superman heroes that deals with hmm how to talk about this one because it hasn't happened yet in continuity it's not like a well-kept secret and I think it is telegraphed in what's been going on in Superman and Action and Leviathan. Um, let's say Superman makes a decision that will have implications for everyone in his life. And this is a one-shot sort of dealing with that. It's written by Bendis and Fraction and Jody Hauser and Greg Ruck, kind of everyone who's working on a book that ties into Superman right now. Yeah um and dealing with sort of the fallout of that which like i said hasn't happened yet in the comics so i'm not gonna say what it is okay meg oh wait i do want to say dc oh. also has birds of prey number one which i did not add to my list because i don't read a lot of dc um but i know that the movie's coming so i am curious to see if this is kind of a tie-in for that or if it's more of a stand on its own but i i am hoping that it's doing some justice for some female so i characters i i debated mentioning this one because i think i've actually mentioned it before so this was solicited i think to start in like october or november originally and be a black label like three or six issue series something okay. like. it was originally solicited actually as an ongoing and then they kind of corrected it to be that now it's a one shot Oh. Um, and it's like a big oversized one shot that's, I think, telling basically the story in just one go that they okay, planned well. on. It's Brian Azzarello, who I like a lot, a lot of the time. And every now and then he misses for me. I think he's a 
good pick for Birds of Prey if you're not going to pick a female writer or female yeah. identifying writer. That is just DC we need to talk. Um, But like his Wonder Woman run is one of my favorite comics runs period so like i am down for this and my only hope is that like as sort of its scope has changed that that has not impacted quality like if it's a really tight done in one hell yeah if it's like i'm a little bit afraid that's gonna be like oh no i need more and i'm not getting it right which is not the worst (laughs) problem or the worst thing to say about a book i guess all right going on to image yes meg yes What's coming back? What is coming again in 2020? We did not get a single issue of it this year because I think I caught up last time I had treatments, which was last November. So finally, Sex Criminals is coming back. Finally. Yes. To be fair, I'm kind of glad that it didn't come back this year because I had so many comics that I love ending this year. Um, But yeah super excited to finally start to wrap that up and uh, the sex criminals are big about wrapping it up they are they are you should no love no love um and yeah that's also the motto for hamburger helper i uh i love how the last trade ended which says a lot because again it's been a year since i've read it and i can still remember the the vibe and and maybe not exactly what was said but still enough that like it still makes me tear up a little bit so i'm like really really i'm just really excited to get back into it and to buy just like dirty comic covers again yes i mean i have managed to keep the flow of dirty comic covers coming um between unnatural and yeah unnatural is great uh oh there was an azarello miniseries that just wrapped up its first arc and is coming back and i'm blanking on the title but it had like like high-end like comics artists who do like like they're they do comics art and they do covers but they also like display in galleries like that was sort of the the niche they went for like tula lote did a variant um that that style uh and i'm really vamping for time to remember what it was called <laughs> fuck it was i'm just saying on, if you're not reading sex criminals co-ghost kim tim whoa let me try to get co-ghost tim too many letters um read sex criminals it's so good it's faithless a- yes okay faithless see i vamped for you you're good thank you but tim should still read sex criminals yeah tim read sex criminals all right um hmm, there was definitely something dark horse i meant to put on my list but i just put sex criminals a second time (laughs) really excited for it Um, if you want to look it up i can tell you really quick that the only archie thing that i was really excited for well eh, i wasn't necessarily really excited for but they're doing archie and um katie keen katie keen to start before the series i don't think it's necessarily a tie-in just kind of like a hey we're gonna have this show um but the author is um mariko tamaki yeah i really like her so i was like "Eh," but then i saw it was her and i'll probably be reading it i need to catch up on our x23 run i want Uh, to trade for it you and me both ah that was what i wanted to talk about from dark dark horse dark hearse that's a different thing (laughs) oh i thought that was the name of the comic i was like no that's good yeah uh graffiti's wall like gravity but with an f okay I missed this in single issues. This is the hardcover. Um, just the first collection of it coming out. But it's written by Ram V, who did These Savage Shores, which we will talk about on the next Spooptacular. Okay. I will see to it. Um, this is a coming-of-age story about rebellion, ambition, self-expression, and acceptance. I'm reading this out 
from the sure. solicitation because it did not occur to me to read it before now because ROM V is an automatic buy for me at this point. Um, painted against the backdrop of Mumbai's ever-changing and evolving street culture. Giving brief glimpses into the incandescent lives of four teens chasing their dreams, impeded and is impeded and inspired by the impossible city they live in. Um, I've heard good things about the individual issues that have come out, and just yeah, like Ram V hasn't done a ton of stuff yet. Like I feel like he hasn't gotten a lot of critical attention yet. Although these Savage Shores has gotten some, right? But I think he's going to be one of those names who, like, in a year or two, is everywhere, and we talk about like a lot of the other folks who sort of as they've come up through creator own stuff and small press stuff we've we've kind of glommed on to okay um like his storytelling is excellent you heard it here well maybe not first but you heard it here and you've heard <laughs> it here from me before uh over at idw canto volume one um i was reading this in single issues i was gonna keep going with this in single issues but my comic shop put the reprints of number two and the first printings of number three together in the same spot on the shelf Oh no. I think they mistook one for being a variant for the other. And then I did the same because I was in a hurry and not paying attention. And by the time I got back to grab the first printing of three, it was sold out. Oh like, no. I lucked out grabbing one of their two, because this is one of those books lately that like went on fourth printing in no time. Okay. Like, I grabbed one of their first copies of number one and one of their first copies of number two. And then I just missed number three. And I don't think I ever even saw it come back in or if it did, like just by that point, I'm like, you know what? I need to cut. I'll go to trade. This is, I believe it's all ages. The first issue is very much. It's like this fairy tale about a robot going to like revive his friend because parts are scarce and they're just this slave labor class because they're robots. And like, that's how people think of robots is just tools. Um, the, the description for the trade like describes it as a combination of Wizard of Oz and Dante's Inferno. What? Which I, I get that, but... If you're not familiar with it, honestly, like, the best thing I can say to make you want to read it is Google, like, preview pages from the first issue or two. What is this called? Kanto, C-A-N-T-O. It's oh, yeah. It's okay. really, really beautiful. I don't, I mean, Dante's Inferno and Alice in Wonderland, or not Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz is yeah. enough to sell me. <laughs> that is the Megan Cross section, I guess. Yeah. Found the sweet spot. Uh, I've got a couple more. Go right ahead. Uh, over at Valiant, Quantum and Woody. Um, I've talked before about how, like, until about the last year or so, I never really managed to get into a lot of Valiant stuff. Quantum and Woody was always one of, like, two books that I always meant to try and to get around to because I thought it would be my stuff, uh, or my kind of thing. Well, there's a new number one coming out, and it is written by Christopher Hastings, who wrote, uh, Gwynpool. Okay. And the other thing that, like, this is not in the solicitation. I just, like, this is... I think I figured out, like, why finally, like, there's been this really long streak of Valiant books that have been writers I love and ideas I love and that I've been super, super into. Heather Antos, who was an editor at Marvel, is an editor at Valiant now. She was actually oh. the editor on Gwynpool. Okay. Um, like, to the point where, like, I think some of Gwynpool's character design was even loosely based on her. Oh, cool. Um, like, I follow her on Twitter, and it took me embarrassingly long to put two and two together on, no shit, she's the editor on these books, this is why, like, there's been this streak. But, yeah, it's the editor behind Gwynpool, it's the writer behind the first run of Gwynpool, um, it's Ryan Brown on art, who has, like, an over-the-top cartoony style that I think is a really good fit. Um, so yeah, like, I'm so super excited for this also she was tweeting about doing research about goat yoga oh no 
Actually, I've seen this. I know there's like a recurring character in this book that is a goat that's like Quantum and Woody's pet goat. So I'm guessing one of the first issues has something to do with goat yoga. All right. Um... The other thing that I think is cool about this is I love books that are, like, over time an interconnected story, but structurally are set up as individual issues and you can read any one of them. Uh-huh. Like, I love crazy complicated continuity, too. See also Jonathan Hickman. But, like, this is doing that, and I think that's a good structure for comedy books, especially. Um, So, like, yeah, this is just, like, a lot of stuff that is very much my shit, and I'm excited. Last one. Uh, Magdalene Visaggio, Jason Smith, Vagrant Queen is coming back. Oh shit, how did I miss this? Uh, Vagrant Queen, Planet Called Doom, number one. Alright. Um, and this is another book that is, like, kind of coming out to tie into a TV series happening. They just finished shooting, at least principal photography, maybe everything, on Sci-Fi's Vagrant Queen adaptation. Very cool. Do I get yeah. Sci-Fi? I should probably double check that. <laughs> if you don't you will um but yeah like we had mags on to talk about the first volume of this right after it was announced so like very cool yeah uh, i'm excited for more and that does it for solicitations for me Sweet. cool next week's books to read there next week's books to read uh unsacred number one this is murka andolfo speaking of books with probably smutty covers nice um, this is actually coming out from a newer publisher. It's the same publisher that's doing, uh, Vampire State Building. Oh, yeah. Which is Charlie Adler's publishing company. Oh, yeah. I think I got the second one of those last week. I should probably read that. Yeah. Um, you liked, you liked the first I issue the of first that, one, right? Yeah. And a couple of folks at my comic shop have also mentioned really yeah. liking that book. Um, this is... A lot like Unnatural, something that Andolfo wrote originally in Italian. Okay. Wrote and drew. Um, and this is sort of the English language release of it. I think it's done. Again, I think just like Unnatural, it's already done. Okay. Um, and this is just getting it out in English for the Ooh. first time. Uh, Hellmouth number two, Meg. Yeah. Uh, going back to visit Buffy and Angel and... Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, like I said earlier, I buy all of this entire multiverse universe. It's not a multiverse uh, in uh, single issues. So, yeah. Far Sector number one. I have been looking forward to this book for a while. It was announced with Doom Patrol and Collapser as being like the third of a set of three young animal books. And I don't know if just sort of in the restructuring of Vertigo they pushed it back or if Jemison wanted more time. Um, I actually think it became longer when it became its own thing. I think it was six issues originally and now it's 12. Oh, sweet. Um, but this is N.K. Jemison writing comics for the first time. Always good. Um, and I have not, I've, I've started the fifth season and like immediately loved basically everything about what I've read of it so far. Um, and then just time and too many podcasts and too many comics and I don't read enough prose books. No, but you don't, but that's okay. I'm aware, at least. Um, <laughs> I buy audiobooks of things and mean to get around to listening to them, but then there are too many podcasts. Uh, anyway, this is a Green Lantern book, and I am, like, I am a Green Lantern nerd, and, like, I love the characters and the concepts, but have just the worst grasp of Green Lantern history. <laughs> um, it's okay. You can poke Tim. Green Lantern was my favorite character on Super Friends, okay? okay? Like, this is where that comes from. Um, 
I don't think I'll need to poke Tim because this is set, like the title kind of says far, it's set in a far off sector. Yeah. It's set like way outside of anything going on. Um, it's more for anybody that has Green Lantern questions. Just poke yeah, Tim. yeah. Um, but yeah, like it sounds like a really cool book and I mean, Jimison could be writing, I don't know, Jimison could be writing The Creeper and I'd be reading it. <laughs> Like, it seems like a big get for comics, and yeah. it makes me happy. Morbius number one, Meg. Oh, you told me to add this to my list, and I know it is. It's Vita, right? It's Vita. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I need. Yeah. I don't have a clue what this is about, but you went, hey, they're writing this, and I went, cool, wrote it down. Yeah, yeah um, I would probably not, under normal circumstances, get a Morbius the Living Vampire comic. Like, I enjoyed sometimes the way he was used on the 90s cartoon, but that's about as far as I get into vaguely European vampire who is a rival for Felicia Hardy's affections. Um, cause I don't know. That's just not, not where I am in my Spider-Man journey. That is not your crossover. It's fine. But Vita Ayala. Yep. <laughs> that is, yep. Yeah. Um, I will 100% be getting this because Vita's writing. <laughs> and last one is the last of this first wave of X-Men books, Fallen Angels, which has Psylocke and Laura Kinney and is written by Brian Hill, who writes Angel and Batman and the Outsiders. Okay. And, like... One, there's just no way I'm not getting the last of these five books. But yeah, also, I mean, at least so, it's kind of a so many boxes, at least on paper, yeah. for me. Uh, but yeah, like, very excited for that one. Very cool. And I think that's it. Yeah. Meg, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, if you were interested to hear me chatter about stuff that I enjoy, uh, or maybe didn't necessarily enjoy, I run a blog. Uh, it is meggriffin.com. Meg is spelled with two G's, so there's three G's in total. Uh, so yeah, you can go there. You can find any other podcast I'm on uh, or any guest episodes that I've done. And you can also find information out about the anthology I'm a part of uh, that I was, got published I was recently. I wor- worried for a moment you weren't going to mention it. I was about to ask, is there a link to the anthology? <laughs> it is uh, really hard to talk about that sometimes because, man, it is a weird thing to be published. But yeah, I wrote a short story called The Bucket List, uh, which is about a vampire trying to complete her bucket list before she goes to see a final sunset and it is not as easy as you might think uh it is part of the coffins and dragons anthology uh so as you can gather vampires and dragons uh so yeah awesome yeah um of course one of those podcasts is minds at york yes which, which is very very together. important in my life um all about animorphs and torturing tim <laughs> Sometimes he's good at guessing things. It's okay. It's okay because uh, you know what? It, who is good at guessing? You're kind of better at guessing things when you don't quite know what's going on. It sounds like you're giving me a segue to talk about the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast. Maybe I am. If I had to guess. <laughs> um, I think we both need sleep. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, yes, I do that with, I will say, friend of the show, my friend, our friend, our MJ. Friend. Yes. MJ's great. MJ is fantastic. I wish MJ read comics because she would be fun to get on here. She would be. Um, but yes, we're talking about Veronica Mars. We are, in fact, on Tuesday recording the next episode of that, which is about the first Christmas episode of Veronica Mars. Yeah. An Eccles family Christmas. 
Um, it is fun to be in the dark and guess things. Like, I actually really enjoy being in the dark and guessing about things and predicting where things will go. Like, I like being in that position. It is what my brain defaults to when I watch <laughs> things for the first time. So See, I'm here for it. I am very much of the mindset of, like, it. 90% of things... Uh, no, we'll say about 85% of things. Like, I will go and seek out what's going to happen. Like, for instance, I'm currently reading the second book of Game of Thrones. Kind of have a vague idea of, like, what's coming next, even though most people probably wish I wouldn't have looked. But eh, I was curious. I also looked at most of this before I decided to read the series. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think I feel like if I was the person who didn't know something, I would default to just major anxiety. I live in this place, and this says maybe entirely too much about me. If When I am right, then I feel like I look smart and when i am wrong i feel like it's at least entertaining that's fair that so i figure it true. is win-win yes and realistically probably neither of those things is true and that is some amount of you know <laughs> just me being a white dude in my 30s giving myself affirmation <laughs> um but you know what? Normally I am my own worst critic. So in this case, I will allow it. Pat yourself on the back. In this in this one particular very irritating way, I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. If you want to submit questions to us to answer on the show, we do do that. We don't get a lot of them, but we are always happy when we do. You can do that at panelpodcast.com slash submit. Uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash panelology. If you want merch, that's bit.ly slash panelology merch. Um, I am Alex. And I've been begging. Go read comics. Yeah. Thank you.